Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I'm going to continue in our season called The Showdown. We are in this story that I believe has uh, high levels of application to our time and the moment that we're finding ourselves in right now. And today, I want to focus on uh, the subject, pray again. Last week, I talked about fasting, but today I want to focus in on praying again and the power that comes with that. If you could open your Bibles, if you have them, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 43, we're going to start. We're in the story of Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel. And it says this, and he said to his servants, go up now and look toward the sea. This is Elijah speaking to his servant. He's in the middle of praying and he asks him in the middle of his prayer to go and look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud, like a, a man's hand, is rising from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. Interesting, interesting aspect of what the rain could do. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. I love that verse. And there was a great rain. And James, he says this about Elijah. He says, Elijah was a man just like us. Uh, One translation says he has a nature just like our own. Just in case you think Elijah was something supernaturally special that you could never be, James tells us, no, he was a person just like you or I. But when he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. But then James goes on and he says, again, he prayed. Come on, that's the sermon right there. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth yielded its crops. Come on, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, right now, we come before you. We open up our heart and mind to hear from you as your people, God. We want to tune our senses towards you, your spirit, and what you are speaking. So God, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to connect with you. And I pray, God, that you bring your people close in this hour, and you bring us close to you. In Jesus' mighty name, what all God's people said, amen. Put it in the chat. Amen, amen, and amen. Elijah prays for a restoration of the land of Israel. For three and a half years, Israel is in a drought. For three and a half years, it's in a drought spiritually and physically. And make no mistake, those things are always connected. And finally, after a showdown happens where the prophets of Baal are exposed and God's fire comes down in answer to Elijah's prayers, after that, we see two different reactions. King Ahab, he goes and he feasts, but Elijah goes and he fasts. The king goes back to life as usual. The king goes back to doing what he normally does. The king goes back into a life of secular self-pleasure. But the prophet, he chooses to do what government can't do. He begins to fast and pray to the Almighty God. He goes to the king of kings. He doesn't go into self-indulgence. He goes into self-denial. This is what separates him and allows him to be the one that can come before Israel on God's behalf and come before God on Israel's behalf. And Elijah, 
begins to pray. Today, I want to talk to you about the supernatural power of the persistent prayer of God's people. The supernatural power of the persistent prayer of God's people. We find Elijah in the midst of praying. He tells his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. Elijah prays and the servant searches. Elijah prays and the servant searches. What's interesting is this is, this is the model. That prayer isn't just saying, it's searching. It's both at the same time. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, could you not watch and pray with me even for one hour? Prayer is not, it's not, it's not like a magic with a, with a genie and you throw up your prayers and automatically it's there. Prayer not only is speaking, it's positioning yourself to see the prayer come into fulfillment. Prayer is not a vending machine where you put something in and instantaneously what you put in comes out. No, prayer is about cohesion with God. Prayer is speaking, but then positioning yourself to see what you spoke come into fruition. Both are necessary. Searching is as important to prayer as saying. And I think that's the part that we miss a lot of times in prayer. We know how to pray quick, throw a quick prayer up. We know how to pray maybe five, ten minutes. But understand that there's something different between a prayer and being prayerful. There's difference between praying and having a lifestyle of prayer. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that is persistent. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that gets things done and gets God's attention. I'm talking about persistent prayer. Part of that is searching for the response because that shows the faith in the belief that what you prayed really is going to have an effect. If you pray and you never check on that prayer, you never look for the answer, it shows that one, you never really cared, or two, you didn't have real faith. Because when you begin to pray specifically, God will answer specifically, but you have to search, have to watch, have to, have to be vigilant, have to stay focused, have to seek out the answer from God. Both are necessary. But today I want, I want, to, I want to focus in for a moment on searching. Searching is engaging your expectations for God's answer. Not only do you pray, you engage your expectation for God's answer. What's that called? That's called faith. Hebrews 11 says, faith, now, now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I want you to know prayer is hope expressed. I'll say that again. Prayer is hope Express. If you can still pray, you can still hope. If you can still hope, you can still pray. Prayer is hope expressed. It's engaging our expectation. It's believing that there is better, that, that God can still intervene, that change can happen, that God is going to have the final say. Engage your expectation, church. Prayer, it, it it pulls things that are hoped for into reality. Prayer is the process for pulling things that are hoped for into a place where they will be seen. Now, faith is the thing that makes that possible. Faith is what engages it. Faith is what keeps you in the fight. 
But hear me, prayer turns hoped for things into seen realities. It happens through the process of prayer. And I use the word process intentionally because it does not happen in one moment. It is a process, but make no mistake, prayer is a supernatural process that God is working with you, in you, through you, for you. And if you never engage your expectation, you will never see God move. That doesn't mean that he won't move, but you won't see it because you weren't searching. Let me say that again. If you never engage your expectation, you will never see God move. That doesn't mean that God won't move. It just means you're going to miss it because you weren't seeking. You weren't watching. You weren't hoping. I don't want to be, the Bible tells this parable, about, a story about, about 10 different virgins. Five had extra oil and they were prepared and, and, and five didn't and they were unprepared. And when the hour came, they were unable to see the bridegroom who is Christ. They were unable to see him come. Why? They weren't prepared. What did they not have? They didn't have expectation. They didn't have faith. They didn't have their hope engaged. They weren't ready for God's answer to the prayer that you prayed. Hear me, church. We are not going to stop praying, but more than that, we're not going to stop watching. We're not going to stop seeking. We're not going to stop searching. We are looking for a sign from God. Why? I, and this is getting ahead of my sermon, but, but why would God tell us about sign after sign in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, if we weren't to search for them? watch for them, seek for signs of a spirit moving. Hear me, church? We're not just going to pray. We're going to get into a position for God to answer, which might mean waiting, might mean pressing, might mean checking in. But whatever it is, understand that you don't just pray, you position yourself to receive the answer from pr for, of prayer. Now, here's the purpose of prayer. Prayers, prayer's purpose is to create a symbiotic relationship between you and God. It, prayer is there to create dependence between you and God. When you pray, you acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. When you pray, you acknowledge that th there is someone greater, stronger, more powerful, that there is guidance in the universe, that there is a hand over your life, that you have a designer and a creator. And when you pray, it's not just a one-way street. Now that God begins to fill you with strength, bring peace, begin to work on your behalf, behalf, and now it becomes a symbiotic relationship where one, one is connected to the other, and that's what God has always wanted for the people that he created. That's the purpose of prayer. Can you imagine if you were trying to get in touch with a friend, and every single time you texted them, you started a new text message, and you never re read their reply. Over and over, you texted whatever you were thinking, but you never read their reply. What would happen? You would be caught in miscommunication. There would never be any dialogue. It'd be a one-way street, and that relationship would never grow. So it is with prayer. We don't just throw a quick prayer up there and say, now God, get moving. No, prayer is, is created to cause that symbiotic relationship, I pray and he responds. I ask, he works, but he says, watch for my working. And when he does work, I thank God again. Some prayers I ask for things. Other prayers I thank God for things. Other prayers I ask again. Other prayers I wait on the Lord. Why? Because it's a process of personal 
relationship with the Almighty God. That's why I say prayer, it's not magic. It's so much greater than it's, it's, it's many times presented in its simplified form. Prayer is like breathing. Prayer is a part of the, of the Christian experience. And if you want to know God, if you want to see him revealed, that happens through the process of prayer. Prayer's purpose is relational. It causes you to look to God, especially in moments when you are um, tempted to look all around you. Prayer helps focus you on the one that can actually change the things around you. It's amazing when things start getting chaotic, how quickly we want to find like a good report from someone else. We want to find someone else that might know, or, or we want to position ourselves correctly, or make sure that we're safe economically. And, and we'll do all of these things down here, but prayer helps us lift our focus up to the only one that can actually affect the earth. C.S. Lewis said something like this, aim for heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. That's what prayer does. It supersedes the natural. It causes you to look to God. And after that, the earth becomes dim. When you begin to look for God, you begin to, you begin to see God's answer is really the only solution for the problems all around you. And prayer is always working on your behalf, even when it seems not to be. That's the powerful thing about prayer. It's very subtle. Prayer is not human. It is godly, which, which I mean to say it is not natural. It is supernatural. So prayer works differently than you might expect. We see Elijah. He says, I'm going to pray. Now you go and you look over to the sea and, and tell me what, what you see. And, and over and over, the servant comes back and he, he brings a negative report. He keeps saying, there's nothing. Don't you think that's interesting? The first time Elijah prayed, he only had to pray once for rain. And then when Elijah prayed for fire, he only had to pray once for fire. But now he's praying and that one prayer isn't causing an instantaneous change. It's not working the same way it used to work. And now here's, there's a conflict. What's going on? I prayed, but there's no answer. Am I not a prophet anymore? God, did you not send me on this mission? Am I doing something wrong, doing it wrong? The, the, the report couldn't be more negative. He comes back and says, there is nothing. It's, like, it's not even like he, um, you ever try and tell someone bad news, but still encourage them. Like he could have said, there's nothing right now, but I know you're a great prophet. I just saw fire fall from the sky. So I'm sure there's going to be something at some point. You know, when you try and help mellow out the, the negative news. Now, all he says over and over is there is nothing. And many times when you begin to pray and you've lived as a Christian, you will have periods when you're praying and it really just seems like the report is simply that there is nothing. I'm not hearing nothing. I'm not seeing nothing. As far as change goes, there is nothing. Have you ever felt that way? It's more than just words. It's more than just a statement. It's a, it's a sense of what began to happen there. One time he comes back, says there's nothing. But two, three, four times, five, six times in a row, he brings this negative report. Can you imagine 
the atmosphere amongst these two? Is there ever going to be an answer? Is God ever going to show up? Are we going to be stuck in this perpetual dry place? Have you ever been in a season in your life where you've been in spiritual drought? No matter how many times you've prayed, it seems like there's nothing. No matter, no matter how many times you tried to get yourself out of it, it seems like rain will not come. What do you do when you pray and see no answer? What do you do when the things that you believe and you hope for don't seem to be coming to fruition in the way and in the timing that you would have wanted? I'm sure you've heard it said things are not always what they seem. And that's true with prayer. Prayer does not work the same way every time. It does not work in the way that you would expect because this is supernatural. Look, we live in three dimensions. We can move and exist in three dimensions. In this dimension is, is a linear timeline where we're constantly moving forward and, and we can see and, and move and live and breathe. But prayer does not live only in this dimension. It supersedes this dimension. It exits, when you pray, it exits your mouth and goes into another dimension. It goes into a supernatural kingdom, a supernatural realm. And we do not know how it works out there. We get glimpses of it. I remember a time when Daniel says that he was fasting and prayed. And when the angel finally comes with his response, don't you think it's interesting? An angel brings his response to him. Is that how prayer always works? Are there supernatural beings with every prayer moving on our behalf? I'm not sure. I can only tell you that story with Daniel, that an angel messenger comes and he said, I'm sorry it took me so long, but I had to fight other principalities that were coming against your prayer being answered in the supernatural, which means not only is your, does your prayer go into the supernatural, it can be resisted in the supernatural, which means sometimes you got to pray again. And you got to pray again. And you got to pray again. And you have to add fasting onto that prayer. Why? Because there is some resistance in the supernatural, but can be overcome with the powerful, consistent prayers of God's people. And, and, and so I want to encourage you, if you feel like it doesn't seem like anything's going on, it, when it seems like, like I don't understand What's happening, there is nothing, is the report that you keep getting over and over. I want you to hear me when I say this. With God, no answer does not mean the answer is no. With God, no answer does not mean the answer is no. Prayer is working, but it's working in a different dimension. And, and, and there seems to be even sometimes a lag between those two dimensions. Have you ever played a video and the, the audio got out of sync? It's because the video is processing faster than the audio. There, there are two different signals going on. And hear me, your prayer is a supernatural signal that cannot be silenced, cannot be stopped, and cannot be censored from this planet into God's kingdom. And it will bear fruit in God's time. God will hear every prayer and he will answer every prayer, but he will do it in his own season. And he will do it in his own time. And God is not bound by our three dimensions. He does not work inside of time or what our time, what our timing, uh, what we think our timing would be best. He doesn't work that way. But hear me, he does hear our prayer. He is moving, but it's in a way that we might not fully understand. Therefore, we put our belief not in how it's done, but who it's going to. I don't put my belief 
in how I'm praying or what I think or how it should come back to me, what I should see. I put my prayer in God, I put my faith in God, and we'll see however he wants to answer in whatever timing he wants to answer, that is part of my faith. But in the meantime, the meantime, that lag between when I pray and when I see a response, that meantime be, between when I pray and, and I'm, I'm watching, in the meantime between, I, between when Elijah prays and the clouds begin to form, in the meantime, I'm going to fight demoralization. I'm going to fight the demoralization of a secular society that is completely anti-hope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight that, that sense that I get, it's all around me, that God's not showing up or, or that things are getting worse and worse. I'm going to fight this natural world becoming the thing I put my faith in. I'm going to fight that, that feeling that this isn't working, God's not answering, it's not happening. That's demoralization. And the enemy would love for you to put your faith in, in your, in, into that as opposed to your faith in God. I'm going to fight Feelings that make me not courageous, I'm going to fight them. The things that make me undisciplined, I'm going to fight that. Why? Because I'm going to stay focused on the one who hears my prayer and is working in his timing. So don't get down. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't look at a secular society to determine whether God is answering or moving in a supernatural realm. Don't look in the natural to see if God's moving in the supernatural. You have to move in the supernatural because the enemy's goal is to get you to die in the delay. The enemy's goal is to get your faith to die, your hope to die, your pressure, presence, and pushing to die in the meantime, in the delay. But hear me, I believe that God offers us a glimpse on how to keep our faith up in the meantime, how to keep us moving in the meantime. What do we see? We see the servant continually checks back with the prophet. Over and over, the two people that are praying check in with each other. I think that's a beautiful illustration on how God wants prayer to work. Not only do you say, not only do you seek, but you need to make prayer social. You need to get around some faith-filled people that I'm praying and I'm not seeing anything, but I'm gonna check in with you and you check in with me. And let's be praying with this thing together. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. When you start getting together and telling each other what you're praying for, faith begins to rise. When you begin to tell each other about the times that God, God came through for you, there's something so powerful when you tell your story because it awakens faith from the moment. And when you retell your story, it's almost as if that atmosphere comes back and you can pray again like that. And there are some stories that I have that when I need to get someone to come into agreement in prayer, I'll tell them the story about when my father broke his neck and our whole church began to pray. People around the world began to pray and we saw the supernatural happen. And when I begin to tell that story, all of a sudden faith begins to rise between the two people who are talking. We can pray again. You might have a story of when God saved you or when God redeemed you. 
You might have a story of how God healed you or how God intervened in your plans or the plans of the enemy. Tell those stories to yourself. Tell them to each other because even if it seems like all hope is lost, that there is nothing going on, that God is not showing up, but we can tell each other, but God has shown up. Remember the time when he showed up with fire? Remember the time when you prayed before to close up the, the, the heavens and they closed? Well, that same prayer is going to open up these heavens. I'm telling you, there's something powerful about when the prophet and the servant gets together. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about God's people. I know prayer is personal. I know it's personal. You can pray anywhere. You can pray on your own. And people love to say that about following God. But can I tell you the secret? Can I tell you a real secret? Yes, it's personal. But really it's relational as well. And I think sometimes we lean on the, hey, just do it on your own, just quiet, just sincere. And, and we miss all the moments when God was praying with, Jesus was praying in front of so many people, praying with people, praying for people. Why? To model the power of praying with each other. And, and we see it time and time again in the New Testament. And, and so let me read this verse to you that I've been reading a lot this year. Hebrews 10, 25, so let us consider. Just think about this. This is how you can spur one another towards love and good deeds. You know, right now, everyone, so many people in society are spurring one another into uh, ugliness and frustration and, and negative stuff and anti-hope and anti-human. Right now, society is not spurring people towards God, but we, we are gonna get together and we're gonna move each other towards love into good works. I don't, I don't care what they're doing out there. We can only determine who we are in here. And we're not going to be giving up meeting together. So how do you spur one another towards love and good deeds? Don't forget, don't give up meeting together, as some are already in the habit of doing. And it has become a habit. And, and look, it goes on. But encourage one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. As things get tougher, as things get wilder, more chaotic, all the more get together with encouraging people and encourage each other in prayer, with faith, believe with each other. Don't give up, get together. Don't give up, get together. Because you are designed as social and spiritual beings. And I just wanna say this, if you are in the vicinity of the church, I would encourage you, if you can, to do all that you can to get to church. I think this is great for as long as we're able to be on air. This is fine. But let me tell you, there's something very powerful that happens when people get together and pray together. You can socially distance, but there's something powerful when two come into agreement on any one thing. God says, I'll show up in that midst. I'll begin to work in your midst. I'm speaking to so many people, and they're having a crisis of faith. And more and more, I'm trying to encourage them to get around faith people if they are having a lack of faith. Because your faith spurs me, and mine spurs you. And this is how you were designed. You were designed not only to be spiritual beings, you are designed to be social beings. And so society is trying to say, no, you are not a social being, so shut down, lock down, be quiet. Go sit in the corner. As if that won't have ramification, well, so much more even with your spirituality. 
You're not just social, you're spiritual. And those begin to work together. And I think it's so powerful that Elijah's praying and his servants giving him updates. And together they're pleading before heaven. Together they're knocking on the door of heaven. I, I, think, about, I think about Wesley, who was a great revivalist, but he would not go into a town until his his uh, intercessor would first go into that town. He would not preach a sermon. He would not hold an awakening uh, uh, because that's what he, he was the great awakener and had revival meetings, but he would not do it until his intercessor was first there because it's like fighting with only one fist. You need preaching, but you need prayer. You need both in combination. And in your life, if you're trying to say, I can't figure out why my faith is waning, please hear me, get around faith people. And if you're not in Rhode Island, if you're somewhere else around the nation, find a good church that's meeting. Wear a mask, social distance, do whatever you need to do, but get there. Because if you can go to Target, you can go to church. Amen? Please hear me. This cognitive dissonance has to be broken. If you can go to parties, you can go to work, and you can go to Target, you can go to church. This is your eternal soul that needs an infusion of faith, especially when it seems like all you're praying for isn't happening. Get around some people and say, I need to add you in to what I'm praying for right now. Can you say amen? Our church is at 9.15 and 11 o'clock on Sunday. We're having prayer at 6 o'clock. I hope that you can come out. I hope that you can come out. When that's said and done, six times he comes back, she says, there's no answer. Elijah pleads with him, and he says this, go again. Go again. And this is the crux of my sermon. Power of persistent prayer. When you refuse to give up, it, it gets God's attention. When you keep showing up, when you keep seeking, that's what brings God's focus to you. I want to read you a parable that Jesus, Jesus gave the parable of a persistent widow, Luke chapter 18. Verse 1, it says this, And he told them, the disciples, a parable to the, uh, to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. So this is the story Jesus is telling to get people to pray and not give up. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Reminds me of uh, the Godfather, Don Colleone, give me justice. Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God says, keep your faith up. Keep your prayers up. Keep going before him. Get around faith, people, and continually ask, seek, and knock. There is something powerful about persistent prayer, and God will give justice if you refuse to give up. Prayer is a signal that cannot be silenced. And if you continue to pray, you continue to send that signal up, 
I'm telling you, Jesus promises, I will answer. I will answer because he is so much better even than that unrighteous judge. He is a righteous one. He wants to hear and he wants to answer. answer. So hear me, saints, when constructive dialogue and disagreement is denied and the right to petition is suspended, the Christian still has one avenue to demand justice, and that's prayer. Pray again, church. James says, again, he prayed. Just because you do not see an effect does not mean your prayer is ineffective. Pray again. I want to make this declaration. We as Christians, we will not allow our external experience to override our spiritual persistence. Come on, say it with me. Pray again. Drop it in the chat. Pray again. When you didn't get the job, pray again. When you got the negative report, pray again. When your child's still lost, far from the Lord, pray again. When the nation doesn't seem to be turning towards God, pray again. When all hope is lost in your relationship, pray again. Pray again and pray again and pray again until you begin to see a sign that God is moving on your behalf. It's as simple as that. It's as supernatural as that. My conclusion is simply this. As they began to pray, on the seventh time, the servant says, there is a cloud. It's like a man's hand, small, but it's rising. It's lifting up. It's coming from the sea, but it's, it's coming towards us. I want you to hear me. There's some good news about God. God always starts small, but he doesn't end small. He starts small, but he doesn't end small. I want you to hear me if you feel like maybe you've been caught in something and, and all you could get is little victories. It's okay. God starts small, but he's going to bring you into true freedom. Maybe you feel like you've been praying and you, you haven't seen the fulfillment of your prayer. Look for the little milestones along the way. It's going to keep giving you faith to keep praying. Keep praying. Celebrate along the way because God starts small. But he doesn't end small. Look what Zechariah says. He says, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. If I could reframe that, the Lord rejoices to see the prayer begin. Because prayer is our supernatural work. Prayer turns small potential into massive outpourings. Behold, eventually your cup begins to run over. But just keep praying. If you've been looking to start that business and things haven't been in alignment, can I ask you, keep praying. Keep praying. Pray over the church. Pray over the nation. If you feel like in your mind you've been in an unhealthy place, you don't know how to get out of it, I'd encourage you, don't keep avoiding going to every other thing. Face your fear. Face it in prayer. Just keep praying. I believe that as you begin to give yourself to prayer, even if you only see a small glimmer of hope, that's enough. That's enough. That God will turn that into a mighty outpouring. The Bible says, and in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. Prayer shifts the atmosphere. It shifts the atmosphere. You know what I think is interesting? Is this rain, it could have been 
a detriment or a blessing. It was all depending on preparation. Remember, Elijah sent his servant down to Ahab and he says, tell him to get ready for this rain because it's coming. I want you to hear me. Whether they are good times or bad times, whether it's the rain of renewal or the rain of judgment, either way, if you see it coming, you're going to be able to prepare. That's the power of prayer, is that as the cloud comes forward, you're going to be able to align yourself, position yourself, prepare yourself. I believe that the clouds that are going to come are going to be rain of restoration. But even if they're rains of judgment, I believe that God's people can be positioned correctly to thrive even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Things that would wash out other people. Things that would destroy other people's lives. I think we can be prepared. Elijah rescued Ahab's life. He says, get going, because this rain is coming. And it's coming in a mighty way. Elijah spared Ahab's life. And what did he do? He, he saw the sign and was able to prepare the ungodly people. Similar to Noah, though they chose not to listen. I believe those that pray are going to be positioned for this coming season. Whether good or bad, you have a superpower. You have the power of prayer. And you'll be able to see the signs of what's coming. Position yourself so that there could be prosperity even in the midst of judgment. Now, I pray the rain that's coming is restoration. I pray it's restoration over the land. I pray it's restoration over God's people. But no matter what, I know this. What may come will come. But we are going to be able to navigate it with the power of prayer. The supernatural, supernatural power of the persistent prayer of God's people avails much, changes much. What brought relief to Israel? Persistent prayer. What can bring relief to America? Persistent prayer. Your home or your mind, your circumstances, persistent prayer. Pray again on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, pray again. When you feel it or don't feel it, pray again. When you see an answer right away, it takes a long time, pray again. Because we are committed to the principle not to the perception. We're committed to the principle. And the principle is this. When we pray, God hears and God works. So I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, turn back to God in this season. Come back before him. It's so simple. It's just a dialogue. Start it back up again. Begin to communicate with your Savior. and Do it consistently. Maybe even write some things down. As I said, be specific. What are you really praying for? I just felt that when I spoke that. I want to challenge you, challenge all of us. Be specific in your prayer. And then begin to look for an answer specifically. Because I believe God will move, is moving on behalf of his saints. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.